0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus the Lord, amen. Today, we continue our sermon series on salvation themes, and today's theme is election. We're going to discuss the uh, election of those who are being saved and not the election of those who do the saving, uh, although the two do, of course, go together. Probably the first thing to talk about is the very notion of election. Election is, uh, for many, a troubling topic, and sometimes people try to get out under it by thinking that election, as Christians use the term, is something special. No, the bare concept, the bare notion of election, as Christians use it, is the ordinary, common sense, everyday notion. The idea of election that Christians use is like a lot of people use when they speak about an election of a president, whether it be the election of the president of the United States, or the election of the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or the election of the president of uh, student council. It's the idea of electing someone as a homecoming queen. And maybe we don't use the word election, but it's the idea of choosing or selecting someone to belong to a a varsity basketball team or to belong to a certain youth orchestra or, for that matter, for choosing the kid who gets to pass out the snack at Sunday school. As you might say, well, as I might say, election is election. Election, as Christians use it, is a notion that's familiar to us all. It's the simple, ordinary, common sense, everyday idea. Now, this kind of notion, then, runs throughout the scriptures. It runs throughout the story of God and his dealings with creation. It runs throughout the story of salvation. What, for example, is the story of the Old Testament, but the story of God and his chosen people. So Abraham is chosen. God promises to make him and his nation a blessing and a blessing to all the nations of the earth. From there, it's Isaac who was chosen, but not Ishmael, Jacob, but not Esau, Israel, but not the nations. As we had from our reading from Deuteronomy, the people of Israel are God's people. They're his chosen people. They're his possession. And why? Not because they were so numerous, but because he loved them and because of the promise he had made to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And as that story goes on, although many times Israel is unfaithful, God remains faithful. God promises them, ultimate redemption. God promises them deliverance from their enemies. God promises them life and blessedness. And so in the coming of Jesus Christ, God is fulfilling his promises. Promises to his chosen people, promises to his elect. Of course, it's just at this point that the whole story takes a remarkable turn. As the Gospel of John puts it, he came to his own, his elect, but his own would not have him. In Jesus' own words, it's like this. A king gives a wedding banquet for his son. When all things are ready, the king sends out servants to call the invited guests, but they won't come. In fact, they mistreat some of those servants and even kill them. And so the king is angry. He sends out his army to destroy them, burn their cities, and then sends out other servants to call others to come in. And even when the banquet starts, apparently there's someone who isn't wearing the right clothes, doesn't have a wedding garment. And what that means is not clear. But what is clear is what the king thinks. He has them sent out into the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth." When Jesus came into his own, among his own people, they would not have him. Now, in terms of the story, the rejection of the elect turns out to mean the salvation for the whole world. Paul discusses this clearly in his uh, letter to the Romans as regards the gospel. The news, good news, concerning Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, as regards the gospel, Paul says, they, that is the Jews, were enemies of God for your sake. Once upon a time, Israel chosen, and their obedience meant disobedience to the nations, and now the disobedience of the Jews meant obedience to the nations. God consigned all men to disobedience in order that he might have mercy on all god was extending salvation beyond the children of abraham to all people and to you and to me and for this to god be the glory forever and ever amen now talk about election when it comes to god and his salvation can be troubling. And the reason is simple. Salvation belongs to those, those whom God chooses. It's all up to God. And as you hear the story, as you go through it, it's for a few. As Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. Now, some people try to get out from underneath that difficulty by, well, one is to explain that election really isn't God-choosing. It doesn't go all the way, but that's not how it is. Others try to change the subject by talking about what appear to be exceptions, people like Melchizedek, or, to use Jesus' examples, the widow of Zarephath, or uh, Naaman the Syrian. Those are important people. Those are important instances But the fact remains, salvation belongs to those whom God chooses. So there's a simple existential question. How do you know you are chosen? And that's where the word of God comes in. Not the word of God from the scriptures, but the word of God to you. Baptism is one such word. It's God's sign that you, are one of his people, that you are among the elect, that you are his chosen possession. The body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament is a sign for you, that you have communion with the living God, that you have fellowship with him and all his people, that you are his chosen possession. Election isn't just something to talk about. Election is something that God has done. And election is God that something, is something that God has made known and stands by for you. And for this, too. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We rise to pray.